Hi guys, welcome back to Box Tablet. I'm Julie Subrin. Today, we're talking to the latest in a distinguished line of Jewish composers who write Christmas songs. But as long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It's not a secret at this point that Jewish songwriters are responsible for about half of the songs people sing when they go out Christmas caroling. That includes the ones that you just heard. Benj Pasek is now poised to join that illustrious group. Pasek is one half of the songwriting team Pasek and Paul. The two met in college. While still undergrads, they wrote a song cycle called Edges that quickly became a YouTube sensation. This past summer, a musical called Dogfight earned them comparisons to Rodgers and Hammerstein. Which brings us to A Christmas Story. The blockbuster movie from 1983 has been made into a Broadway musical with songs and lyrics by Pasek and Paul. So far, it's been a huge success with audiences and it's getting rave reviews. Did I mention that these guys are 27-year-olds? Today, Benj is joining us in the studio to talk about what it's been like to contribute to this Jewish-American songwriting tradition. He's speaking with guest host Rebecca Sover, who is a writer and producer, and it should be mentioned, owns the DVD to A Christmas Story and could probably quote most of it back to you on demand. Benj Pasek, welcome to Vox Tablet. This is exciting. I'm so thrilled to be here. Benj, I saw your production of A Christmas Story earlier this week, and I loved it. Oh, good, good. Guess who else loved it? Oh. Whoopi Goldberg. She was sitting just across the aisle <laughs> from me. You know, I actually love Whoopi Goldberg in a really unhealthy way, and I was so thrilled that she came to the show. And I got to meet her afterwards, and I, I actually wrote her a letter to tell her how much I love her. So we'll see if Whoopi and I end up dating in the new year. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> As Julie mentioned, yes, I am a big Christmas Story fan. Watching it on TV every year was definitely a defining aspect of my whole Jewish kid on Christmas experience growing up. By the way, it was also responsible for introducing the phrase triple dog dare into my daily totally, vernacular. Totally. <laughs> Given that you and I seem to have had similar upbringings near each other in mainline Philadelphia, I was wondering if it was also a part of your childhood. You know, it's funny. I had never seen the movie before uh, I knew about the potential to write the musical. I knew it's one of those films that has such iconic moments that people it's just in the sort of zeitgeist of being alive. So, you know, I knew that there's this film where a kid sticks his tongue to a flagpole or that there's this pink bunny suit or that there's this, you know, uh, fishnet stocking leg lamp or these iconic things. But I had never actually seen the film. Or if I did, I didn't really remember it. And uh, and then when I watched the movie um, for the first time, I, I, like, got why people are so obsessed with this film. It's so charming and it's so... Uh, it's so like every dysfunctional family that everybody kind of relates to it. And it was really, really charming. Um, so for those of our listeners who did not grow up with this movie, yeah. since I think it is kind of a generational thing, sure. would you mind giving a quick synopsis? Yeah, sure. So the movie is set in 1940, um, and it is about this little boy named Ralphie Parker who wants one thing for Christmas. And the thing that he wants is a Red Rider carbine action BB gun. And uh, nobody – he's nine years old, so mm-hmm. nobody wants to give this little kid this gun for Christmas, but it's what he wants so badly. 
badly. So basically, the the plot of the film is about the different ways that he uh, goes about trying to acquire this gun. First, appealing to his mother, who tells him, and this famous phrase came from the movie uh, that you'll shoot your eye out. Um, and then, he, you know, when that doesn't work, he tries to appeal to his teacher. If he writes a really good theme, then his teacher will tell his mom how smart he is and maybe then he'll get the gun and that doesn't work then he tries to uh, uh, get the gun from Santa Claus himself at the department store downtown who also tells him he'll shoot his eye out Um, and at the end of the film not to give it away but I think it's pretty obvious that you know (laughs) this Christmas movie he might actually get what he wants he ends up getting the gun from his dad who he never actually directly asked but sort of noticed the whole time that that's what he wanted and um and it's a really, really sweet movie about, you know, your your parents and um, and childhood and nostalgia and, um, and, you know, that your parents notice you even when you don't think that they do. So what was it that appealed to you and your partner, Justin Paul, about writing the music for this show? You know, I think that it is the kind of uh, story that really everybody relates to because it's about a, f- a family who is totally functionally dysfunctional. You know, I think that I, I say this to my family a lot. I never remember the moments um, in my life with my family when things went perfectly, you know, when like, oh, we, like we had a great time on, you know, on that trip or we, you know, everything went <laughs> we right. We all got that. along today. Yeah, I remember like, that day. You know <laughs> I mean, but like every time that we're together, the times when we laugh so hard that we cry are the times when like my dad drove on the wrong side of the street in England or you know like when we I don't know things disasters like the Clark Griswold moment totally (laughs) and that's what happens in this movie too it's like just this family just like can't get along or that there's just so much you know craziness and that uh, those are the moments that you remember your whole life and you just remember being with your family and so I think that there's this really strong universal appeal to to the film so at this point we'd love to um have our listeners you know take a listen to one of the songs sure that's um, exciting benj is there a song for you given you know everything that drew you to this project that captures that whole family madness functional chaos that you're <laughs> just talking about um there's one song that is uh is very fun um that's sort of ralphie's um imagination of uh sort of he imagined that he's going to sort of be a, uh, a hero the uh the the cowboy that saves the day um and he goes to this sort of fantasy of saving his the kids in his school and he fantasizes about saving his parents from you know bank robbers and whatever it is and the song's called ralphie to the rescue and it's it's this this fantasy of him saving the day if he gets the gun yeah 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 there you go By pirates who've instructed Hands behind your back Walk the flight committee The captain is smirking Cause hungry sharks are lurking Starving for a snack Won't you save us, Ralphie? We don't wanna be their fish food I know I can You can save them, Ralphie Soon those hammerheads will munch and crunch them I'll stop your evil plan That is um, 
That is quite a catchy song. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm <laughs> and, glad. And I, I have to blame you for it being in my head for the last few days ever since I saw the, the oh, show. Oh, that's nice. You know, my girlfriend, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, <laughs> totally. She, she, she kept singing it backstage yeah. to me, too. So I'm yeah. glad it's sticking with people. So, Benj, um, so many different kinds of moments in this production are expressed through song. There are songs about writing a school essay about the most awesome Christmas gift of all time, about winning an award in a mail-in crossword puzzle contest. Mm-hmm. And there are songs about sitting on Santa's lap, about the fleeting moments of parenthood, about facing bullies. How do you decide what moments or feelings deserve a song? That's a, a really good question. I think um, the moments that you look for are uh, the ones in a musical that either contain a lot of fantasy or a lot of emotion. Um, so I guess in translating a film to a musical theater, you e- you either look for the moments where they break reality, like where Ra- Ralphie is thinking about fighting these, you know, bank robbers or whatever it is, which is not actually happening in his real life. Or sometimes when a camera will go into a close-up of uh, an actor, the job is to say, okay, well, what's going on internally in their own mm-hmm. mind? So that those are usually great indications of where song moments could sort of be if you're basing it off of a story. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, nobody wants to watch uh, 10 up-tempo songs in a row or 10 ballads in a row. So trying to find balance in mm-hmm. what you can write about uh, that fits along the lines of whatever the story is that you're trying to tell. Were there a lot of moments that have songs that are currently on, like, the cutting room floor right now? Yeah, there are there are certain songs that are on the cutting room floor. Uh, you know, we... I don't know what they call that in, like, songwriting <laughs> speak. Yeah, I no, just assume we... it's a big floor. No, we call it... We call it, we call it uh, this is really kind of morbid, but we call it killing our babies. Yes, killing yeah, your babies. Just killing yes. your babies. It's so there tough. are a lot of dead babies uh, <laughs> with a Christmas story. You know, I think... That's the great advantage of um, we had the opportunity to to work on the show out of town for two different holiday seasons. So we developed the show in Seattle and then we did a national tour last year and we got to see what audiences responded to or what they didn't, what made them perk up, what made them bored. And so then you sort of get to retool it. And um, we've been really lucky to have that developmental process before heading to Broadway this year. So, Benj, yes. do you have a favorite song from the musical overall, one that you're especially proud of? You know, I um, am really proud of the song uh, called Just Like That, which is about the mom um, sort of it, – it's about sort of the nostalgia of of watching your kids grow up and realizing how quick that is. Um, in the show, it's used that she's sort of singing it to her, her son after he got into a fight at school. And she's basically saying, like, these moments don't last very long. Like, mm-hmm. you'll get over this. And then um, we sort of turn the song to be sort of about her own realization mm-hmm. about how, you know, kids grow up quickly and to sort of invest in, in the moment of, like, what it means to uh, to have your kids be young and, and cherish cherish these sort of family moments. So to me, I don't know, that reminds me of my own family and I get a little sentimental when it happens in the show. And my mom really likes it. So, like <laughs> Well, when I was watching the show, I was definitely having a sunrise, sunset type oh, of totally, moment. Oh, totally, I was like Tevya yeah, in the audience. Definitely Tevya. Oh, Randy, you know nothing's ever as bad as it seems. It never is. If you slip and scrape your knee think it's never gonna heal in a day or two you'll see it's just not that big a deal and you're back to jumping laughing you've moved on the moment comes the moment goes 
gone. So you felt like bursting somewhere deep, deep inside, and it overwhelmed you. So you cracked. So you cried. But it passes in an instant. Passes by so fast. Don't forget to remember these moments never last. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I'm sitting about one foot away from you across the table, and I'm trying not to bawl hysterically. <laughs> That's very sweet. Really, that song for me, it just it added such a layer of depth to that production, which, you know, you don't really see in the movie. Yeah. Um, that, well, that's, you know, that's the cool part about giving uh, that getting a, a little bit of freedom to make it something for for the musical stage uh, to, for the Broadway stage because you know we got to really invent moments that weren't necessarily there and you know you kind of need those anchors of emotion in a, in a Broadway show so it was really nice that we were sort of allowed to deviate a little bit and and put put stuff like that in the show. Benj, you and Justin met as undergrads at the University of Michigan. We did, indeed. You both had a passion for music, interestingly, including rap and beatboxing. <laughs> yeah, wow, yes. <laughs> well, so the first, we, we met in our, our orientation uh, at University of Michigan, and I thought, because I w- I'm from Philadelphia, even though you know the, the truth that I'm from the Philadelphia suburbs. I won't tell anybody, except yeah, for all of except our Except for everyone who's listening, <laughs> exactly. I thought I was, like, really cool, and that I could be street from the main line, and so I was, like, wearing a Phillies jersey and like you know I I thought I was cool and I thought I could rap and Justin beatboxed and so our first uh, day together we we kind of laid down the beat and I thought of myself as a little Jay-Z. So um, even though you shared this passion for music you're also pretty different in some ways. For one thing you were raised in a Jewish family while he's the son of a pastor what that led is, you that to? It is true. The... It is true. Um, you know, I think that we became really good friends, and um, we we had this like shared love of uh, what we were doing, and uh, we we just hit it off in college. And um, it's so funny because we really are very. Uh, we were raised very very differently, um, but I think that there's this there's a certain level of that being advantageous because we think about the world in very different ways and um i think for a partnership either that's very destructive or can be very helpful and for us it goes back and forth every other day but hopefully it's uh, two steps forward one step back so how would you describe the specific different qualities that you and Justin bring to your partnerships in terms of you know what are your strengths and what are his well i think that he is very good at um being very task oriented like he sets a goal we're going to meet that goal we're going to do it by 2 p.m. today you know and wow. i you know he's like very very good at that and i'm just kind of tra lying and thinking about oh well what would be the best you know like i i get lost in my own sort of uh creative world sometimes uh so he keeps me on task and i think uh, maybe i don't know maybe i make uh us think outside of the box but he keeps us you know in the box because otherwise then i i don't know i think that we would if it were just me we would be a total mess <laughs> so i think I'm, I'm very appreciative for for how uh for how well he can keep us in in uh in line i guess so, Benj, mm. when we first spoke, you and I had a really interesting conversation about how you think your Jewish upbringing influences your songwriting process. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah, totally. I um, 
I think, you know, being I, I didn't really know what it meant to like be Jewish. I grew up in the main line where there's a lot of Jews just running around everywhere. So it's just like the world that I grew Define up in. Define main line for the us. Main non, for this, the main line is this area outside of Philadelphia <laughs> where a lot of Jews uh, grow up. Um, but I think the kind of the emphasis on education and uh, in the Jewish community and the emphasis uh, on sort of always asking questions, which can be really, you know, annoying as a kid. Like, well, why do you, why do you feel this way? Well, you know, it's like that kind of thing. But I think at, at, at its core, it comes from Jewish texts. It's like very Talmudic in a way, like, you know, constantly asking questions. And I think that that translates to to what it means to be a writer, or at least the way that I approach writing, which is like, why would someone say that? Why? What? Why would they feel this way? You had mentioned a weekly tradition between you and your dad that you would do Torah study every week. Oh, my week. God, Can you yes. tell me a little bit about that? Um, yeah, he would make me go to Torah study every Saturday. And basically the reason that I went was because I was promised a really good breakfast after it. You know, we would go out to breakfast and it would be like my bonding time with my dad. But, you know... Uh, insidiously those those uh, Torah portions just got in my head but it was really great it was actually like when I look back on it I really appreciate it it was my rabbi and my you know a group of people who would go around and sort of discuss what the weekly Torah portion was and it was just a group of people sort of analyzing things and you know being hyper uh aware and talking critically about like well what does this mean well why do we think this is you know and it's sort of an open discussion and I think approaching text like that you know, biblical or not, is just really, really good in terms of thinking about, I don't know, this is weird to say, but like, I relate it to character study in a way, you know, like these, these people in the Bible, like, okay, well, what is the story being told here? And how is it effective? Or how is it not? And uh, I think that translated in a big way to how I think about theater. So have you ever worked on an explicitly Jewish project? You know, it's funny. I sort of through my mom, my mom is uh, really into, uh, She's a developmental psychologist, but she's also a musician, and she developed a program for the JCCs of North America uh, called Pierre K. It's a character called like based on Pierre K. Avot. Mm-hmm. He's like an explorer. He's called Pierre K. Explorer, and he goes around the world and like does like these Talmudic things, and it's very <laughs> cute. And so I think we like with her, I would do that. And she also developed a character too, while I was in preschool called Captain Tikkun. You know, based on Tikkun Olam. Wow. And, and the lights of Zohar. Did it was he called. wear a cape? She. It was a woman. Oh my so gosh. They, they were progressive. Very progressive. I know. <laughs> and she did wear a cape. And she would go around uh, trying to bring chaos to order. That was the big, uh, you know, sort of Jewish trope there. So you know, I think. Through my mom, I guess I kind of have. And I definitely um, have aspirations to uh, figure out how to uh, work more within uh, Jewish music and Jewish uh, traditions and use what I've learned thus far in writing um, to, to, I don't know, uh, write things that I think could be interesting for Jewish audiences specifically. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. We had spoken about your interest in creating a better body of Jewish music. Yeah, well, I, mean, you, know, I, I don't want to quote you directly, no, but you please. did tell me about I, your reaction to this year's Yom Kippur service. Well, you know, it's funny. Yeah, this year and other years too. It's funny. Every year that we've been developing Christmas Story, it's usually around September. So I am always like writing Christmas songs over Yom Kippur, which is <laughs> my mom loves to tell that story. But uh you know, I don't know. I just I sit there and um, not to I, I hope I don't offend anybody by saying this, but I just I think that there's just so much potential to create something that 
uh, not in sort of an, a proselytizing evangelically kind of way, but just, you know, a more modern approach. And God love Debbie Friedman. But um, I think, you know, I think that people of my generation could uh, feel like there was a, a version of Jewish prayer or Jewish songs that, that could be more accessible to them. And it sounds like you're looking for something beyond I had a little dreidel. Yeah. Which little, I guess yeah. when you're 23 starts to get a little bit old. A little bit old, yeah. And beyond even just the music, I mean, maybe just the music is just an access point. Um, but I think, you know, people are looking for community more than anything else. And um, I want my community not just to be like, oh, we're Jews and we're, you know, we went to camp together. But it's like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, we have something more grounded in reality. Um, and, and to me, that that's an exciting challenge that I'm really curious in trying to figure out how to, how to do and, and figure out how that will fit into my life in a greater way. But now you're certainly in a position to, to find out and well, to we'll do see. some we'll flying. S- we'll see, yeah. Um, so, Benj, yeah. you and Paul are in the middle of a career explosion. <laughs> you guys have just made your Broadway debut. You've got your own performances going on. You're currently writing music for the upcoming season of Smash, a little-known TV show, which (laughs) is going to expose you to an audience of millions. Even Glenn Beck loves your work. (laughs) I read a tweet that he sent out saying, A Christmas Story is an instant classic. Oh, wow. Well, my dad was so freaked out when Glenn Beck (laughs) approved of me. He's like, I don't even know you anymore. Well, you didn't tweet it. I know. know. So everything that's been going on recently, how has life changed over the past year? Um, you know, I, I, it's so funny. I I feel like I've just been, um, just doing work. And I know that sounds really, I I wish that I could be like, wow, my life is amazing. But I don't, you know, I just feel like Justin, uh, Paul, my collaborator and I have just been like, okay, this is the work that we have to do. And these have, these have been projects that we've been working on for like four years. So it's kind of crazy that we had this off-Broadway debut and then we had this Broadway debut and, and, and then um, we're going to have this smash thing and it's all happening at the same time, but it's all sort of stuff that we've been working on for a long time. So I'm really thrilled that people have been receptive to the work that we've put out there. And I guess if anything, I can say, you know, how have things changed? I feel like, um, I feel like I, now, instead of like racing to find this sort of external validation of people being like, you know, yes, you're good at what you do. I finally feel like, OK, I feel like I've gotten a little bit of that. And I uh, sort of have this foundational thing to stand on now to to then see what else I want to do and explore other you know, things mm-hmm. within my field and um, sort of take a breath. So it's it's been really exciting. Benj Fasik, Mazel Tov on the show. And thank you so much for speaking with us today. It was a total pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time. Benj is one half of the songwriting superduo Pasek and Paul. Their latest collaboration, A Christmas Story, is playing on Broadway through December 30th. For more information, come to tabletmag.com. While you're there, why not post a comment and let us know what you thought of today's podcast. Fox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm Rebecca Sofer. From all of us at Tablet, we wish you a happy Hanukkah, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>